Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Resiliency and Running Podcast. My name is Liz, and I will be your host. I'm so excited to have you on the show today because we've got a really special guest. Her name is Steph, and she is the owner of Funship Blog, Instagram, and Blog. Today, we're really just going to be talking about the college drinking culture and binge drinking and kind of the impact that it had on both of our lives and just really debunking that whole topic in itself. So stick around. I wanted to thank Steph for being on the podcast today. Steph is the owner of the Funship blog Instagram account. She recently came out with a very, very informative and just awesome video around her story with alcohol. And it really just touched home for me and um, in terms of college drinking and that whole culture. So I really just thought it would be such a great opportunity to interview Steph and have her on the podcast today. So I wanted to give you a chance to kind of give yourself an introduction to who you are and your background and just kind of why you made your Funship blog Instagram account. Yeah. So hello, I'm Steph. And just to preface real quick, because a lot of people ask me, why is the, why do you call it Funship blog? I, when I was deep, we'll get into this later, but when I was in the thick of my sobriety journey and I had just stopped drinking and I was going through feelings of just anger and like, why can't I drink? What's the point of all this? Do I actually want to be sober? I would, I came to the realization at one point that I'm not, I might not be going to bars and having fun, but it's fun not to feel like shit because I felt like shit for so long mentally, mentally and physically. And so that is kind of like my tagline now. And I shortened it to fun shit blog just to make it easier for like the website and for Instagram. But yeah, that's the background of that. As far as my background, should we just get into like the first thing? Okay. So I'll just kind of start at the beginning. I won't bore you with a lot of details, but I started drinking in high school. I think like a lot of people and I didn't know exactly when it happened but pretty soon it was all me and my friends were doing I remember the first time I drank I think I was it was at bumper shoot with a couple of my friends and we like got this random guy outside of QFC to buy us alcohol and like we each drank like two sips of it and then left the fifth behind a bush because we thought we were drunk and I think honestly we probably were because I mean I don't know if that's the very first time I drank but that's I remember the first time that I remember getting drunk and so after that it kind of just picked up and pretty soon it was all me and my friends were doing on the weekends. And there was like no question, oh, what are we going to do this weekend? It was, oh, we're going to drink before our high school football games, before homecoming, house parties. And that was kind of in junior year of high school because before then I was sort of an introvert and I still pretty much am. But when my friends would go out to football games and stuff, I would just I remember staying home a lot freshman year, doing homework, and I never really branched out in high school until I started drinking. So I think in hindsight, the alcohol and the drinking was what made me this false sense that, oh, I need to drink to fit in and to be fun. And so when we started drinking and when I have a twin sister, and so when we would start going to parties more, our parents would be like, you know, be careful because my dad is an alcoholic. So he would always kind of warn me about the dangers of alcohol. He's been sober for 30 years now. So he was sober before he even met my mom. But you know, like any teenager, I didn't really listen to him or take his advice and just kind of said, yeah, yeah. So we'd go to parties, me and my sister. And I remember my first blackout. I was I remember we were at some like river spot or something. It was dark. It was the nighttime. And all I remember from that night is like throwing a bottle and it shattering everywhere. And I woke up the next day and I was like, what happened? I didn't really know like what it was. I thought, I don't know what I thought, but that was my first blackout. And then 
I started to black out regularly junior year, I think was when it was because that's when my drinking really started to pick up. And soon it became something that I thought was normal. I just thought it was normal to not remember parts of your night because I hadn't drank before, you know, I didn't know if it was normal or not. And my thing has always been once I start drinking, I can't stop. So I can go the whole week. I can go days without drinking. I'm not like thinking about it all the time. At least in high school, I wasn't. But once I started drinking at a party or before a football game or whatever, I couldn't stop until like we had to leave or until someone cut me off. And so there's never that thing in my brain that says, you know, Steph, it's enough. Like that's enough drinking. That's not something that I think I have. And so pretty soon I realized that blacking out was not normal. It was not what all my friends were doing because they were all the one, always the ones taking care of me. And I realized that it started to affect my friendships and affect my relationships with people. When I drank, I kind of got this reputation in high school. I was called Victoria. And it was because like when I am not drinking, I'm usually like a nice, empathetic, happy individual. But when I was drinking, I became this like vicious angry person and people would at parties they'd make bets with each other they'd be like oh is victoria coming out tonight and i just gained this like reputation of this just angry drunk and so that was yeah that was my reputation throughout high school and then i had a twin sister like i said or i still do i have a twin sister and (laughs) she (laughs) she would always be the ones taking me home from parties her and my friends would and like bless their souls because they're still my friends to this day my core group of friends that would stick by me no matter what kind of shit I was doing they would take care of me and so I'm very thankful for that and they would have interventions with me throughout high school a couple of times I remember specifically and they would sit me down and talk about how I needed to figure out what was going on and they couldn't it's not fair to them to keep taking care of me because I remember one of my friends saying she can't feel like she can have fun at a party when I was there because she would have to Mm -hmm. always be watching me monitoring me and so that was not fair to them and I never was proud of that but I still just couldn't stop and I remember even telling my friends in high school that I was going to go to counseling for my drinking and I never did and I think I was thought I was just too young to have a drinking problem because I was 16, 17, 18. So I never thought it was serious enough to go to counseling. And so I was very excited for college because I think like a lot of people think that college is a time to reinvent yourself. I was so excited to not have the Victoria reputation come with me to college. I remember even one day before, like my, before I was supposed to move down to California for school, I remember sitting down with myself and writing down a list of how many shots I was going to have at each event I went to because I had this like idea in my head of what college was going to be like. And so I was like, oh, at frat parties, I'll have eight. And at like sorority things, I'll have five or whatever. And so I thought I was going to be able to stick to this plan because I'm a planner. And I, but (laughs) that just didn't happen at all. Freshman year, we came into the dorms. I blacked out probably more times freshman year than all of my years combined. I got an MIP my freshman year. I had to get the RAs and the dorms called on me when I was like throwing up in the bathroom. And instead of, I had two roommates and instead of them, I didn't really have my set group of friends yet. So I didn't really have anyone to take care of me at these times until I met my now boyfriend of two and a half years. I met him freshman 
one year. And so he sort of took on the role of my like caretaker, if you will. And I honestly sometimes don't even know how we're still together because of some of the things I did. I'm so thankful for him, but he stuck with me through that. And so whenever I would get in my blacked out state, he would just take me back to his house. And yeah, the college just drinking environment kind of really made me think that my issues were not that bad because I got into a sorority and so and my boyfriend was in a fraternity so we'd go to events for his fraternity or my sorority and literally the goal was to share a fifth between you two and the goal was to finish it before the end of the night that's what everyone was doing and chime in with any examples you have I know you mentioned morning bar but like I remember going to philanthropy events that started at 9 a.m so they were like fraternity basketball tournaments or something so we'd start pre-gaming at 8 a.m we'd be drinking vodka and orange juice at eight in the morning. And that just kind of reinforced the idea in my head that, you know, this is all normal. And so I kind of just pushed down the idea that I could have a problem because I was surrounded by so many people who, if I have a problem, you know, they have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like we were talking about just like drinking in the morning in general. And I think like you mentioned in your YouTube video about how you would like justify it and say like, well, I'm going to be drinking anyways in a couple of hours at like 10 or something. And for me, like I really related to that when I thought of like game days and that was like a really big thing at at, um, my college. And it was just like, you know, I'll start drinking now. Like when I was like in my apartment junior year, like, oh, I'm going to go to that, you know, frat thing, that frat morning bar anyways. Like I'll just do a couple of shots here and then like, I'll go there. And you're always thinking about like, how many drinks am I going to have at each place that I go to? And it's mm-hmm. just like, and I like, sometimes like I just wouldn't even make it to game days. And it was so embarrassing because it's like the whole point of this is that we all go to the game. And it's like, when you're so drunk and when you're so blacked out that you can't make it to the game, like it was just, it was weird, but it was also just like never like reinforced like I did have a few friends at one point that sat me down and kind of said like you know maybe you should like you know take a break from drinking like you get kind of like angry sometimes and you say a lot of really harsh things and I think that just comes from me like not speaking up about like issues when I get annoyed at something I won't like tell someone that that annoys me and then like that became like a habit to like when I became really drunk I'd be like you know like you did xyz thing and that made me really upset and Mm -hmm. so it was weird because it was like I think other than like your really close knit friends, no one really ever like told you it was a problem and people would more so like commend you for it and be like, oh, ha ha, like you blacked out, like good job, or like good job taking like 20 shots. <laughs> I know, I remember, so my sister goes to a really big like game day school too. And I remember texting her multiple times, like when we could actually go to games last year. And I was like, oh, how is the game? And she was like, oh, I didn't make it, LOL. And I'm just like, okay. Like, and I thought it was so normal. I was like, oh, well, she must have drank too much. And that would, I think, especially happen if the game started at like 6 or 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Even then, like people would start pre-gaming at noon. Yeah. Like six hours before you had to even go to the game. So I think obviously it was, I think, just an excuse to drink because I know a lot of girls who don't give one crap about football but they are so excited for game days because it's like just a big party you know yeah and it's just like a a fun opportunity for you to like dress up and like I remember there was like um a spot in like Greek row area um because I was in a sorority as well but like we called it like the alley and like that's where everyone went on game days and you just it like if you went there before a game like it was just jam-packed full of people and it was like crazy uh, I think I went there once for the apple cup like yeah I've year of college I you couldn't even stand there were so many people 
Yeah, it's crazy. And I think it's just crazy because like it was so normalized for at least like really like harshly the first two years. And then like you get into like, I don't know, you become older, you turn 21 and that sort of a thing. But like, I think even like in the first two years, you always think about like turning 21, like this big thing. But I really don't remember it as like a big life change because like, I think for like maybe like normal people, like it's like, oh, okay, so now we're actually going to start drinking and going to bars. But it's like, we've already been doing that for years I remember my 21st it was like I had like all my really good friends over and it was so much fun but I got so drunk that we all my friends got in these ubers bought my ubers for me and like we get there just for me to forget my id and we were like oh my god so far from home and like obviously everyone's pissed at me yeah like what is the point when it's like you get so drunk that you do these stupid things or like you get so angry and you say like really harsh things to people and just like break up friendships and like you know? Yeah. Well, I remember for a long time, I didn't want to admit that I had a problem because I wasn't 21 and because I wanted to go to bars and do that stuff. And I had kind of the same experience. I was looking forward to my 21st for months. And then on my 21st, it was like the night before me and my boyfriend got a hotel to kind of celebrate. And then we were drinking wine and then he went to bed and I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not that tired. And so I went into the hotel's mini bar and just started taking shots by myself in the hotel room. And then he woke up and apparently I was like on the floor. And then, so I woke up really drunk and then we went to mimosas and basically I was just like blacked out the entire day. Don't remember much of my 21st. And I was so angry the next day. Cause I was like, I have, I was looking forward to this for months and now I like don't even remember one single part of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's and just, yeah. I think it's hard when you have like big life events like that. Like for me, I know that you're, you said that you were still in college, but I like the day that I graduated college, it was like, we had like a big like university graduation and then like your specific major graduation. So like I showed up to my major's graduation, but I was legitimately too hungover to oh my show up to my big graduation. And that's such a big thing because you get to do it in the football stadium and it's such a fun event. And like literally all my friends went and I just remember remember like sitting and watching it um like on the tv on my couch with my little and like I was just so upset and I was literally crying because I was so mad at myself and like and I told myself like oh I'll just go to this friend's birthday the night before and it'll be fine and I'll, I'll make it to the graduation the next day and it's like how am I missing like such big life events like this it was really it felt like a big like guilt thing for me and I was just really embarrassed by it as well and I know you talked about like that cycle of like drinking and then like getting into like the guilt kind of um, part of it and then you get really anxious about the guilt and then you like it's just this like never-ending cycle yeah next I wanted to just ask you about maybe when you first decided to stop drinking and kind of you were talking about it in your YouTube video and kind of saying that I mean I think when you try and quit anything cold turkey it's not easy and um, I know that you were saying that it was a really frustrating process for you and just yeah if you wanted to speak on that Yeah, so it was my sophomore or junior year was when I first got into that cycle that you were talking about of drinking until I blacked out, not remembering anything, and then waking up and feeling so much shame and anxiety and guilt over what I may or may not have done. And so then I'd wake up and I would drink in the mornings. And I, whenever I drank or whenever I drank, I would always wake up at like 6 a.m. Like my body would just naturally do that. I wasn't ever the type to sleep in until 10. And so I'd wake up at 6 a.m. and usually it'd be at my boyfriend's house. He'd still be sleeping. So I'd go out into his living room and just 
look for whatever was still out on the counters. So whether that was like disgusting, but like half drinking beers or whiskey or fifths, like with a little bit left in them. And I would just chug whatever I could find, get a little buzz on. And sometimes I'd stay awake and just wait for him to wake up. Or sometimes that would just make me fall right back asleep. But then if I did fall back asleep or whenever I'd wake up the next time, I would keep drinking throughout the day because usually this was on a weekend. So maybe we'd have a day party to go through, go to that day. Or even if we didn't, I would just, because like I said, once I start, I can't stop. So I would just keep drinking throughout the day. And that's how my one night of drinking drink in the mornings, drink throughout the day, and then go to a party at night, blackout. And like, you know, the cycle would continue. And so I remember my boyfriend would tell me when I would feel so shameful the next morning, he would kind of reassure me. And I think he was just doing this to make me feel better. I don't know if he actually believed it, but he would tell me, you know, that's okay. We're in college. Like this is what everyone's doing. And so that's what I kind of started to believe. And over time, it really did start getting worse. And I never told anyone that I was contemplating that I might have a drinking problem, although I'm sure they could see it, but it was something that I really kept really private. And so I felt very alone in that sense and very ashamed that I was even thinking that I had a drinking problem. And so I remember I told my friends back in high school that I was going to go to counseling. And it was the summer of, this was just one of the times that I really told them that I was going to. It was the summer of soft, after sophomore year of college. So going to junior year, maybe the one before, I'm not sure. But me and my friends went to a party at my friend's brother's house in Bellevue, I think it was. And we drank then. I blacked out, woke up in the morning, found a fifth of vodka and like grabbed it, took it over next to me, put it in a cup and like started drinking it throughout the morning. And I was so drunk. I, cause whenever I would drink in the mornings, I drink not enough to make me visibly drunk to people. Or so I thought I probably was, but I tried to keep it under wraps and under control so that I would, so that they wouldn't know my friends wouldn't know and wouldn't question me. But this time I just drank way too much, went overboard and my friends could visibly tell that I was drunk and they're like, what is going on? And so I blamed it on the fact that my boyfriend broke up with me. You know, I blamed that I needed to drink to cope with the breakup. And so that kind of, I guess, made them understand a little bit, but not totally at all. And so that's when they, that was one of the times when I was really shameful about what I had done. And when my friends really were like, this is a problem, like you should go to counseling. And so I, that was when I was like, yes, I'm going to. And then I ended up not even going for, I think a year after that. But yeah, it took me until November of my junior year to finally go to counseling. And I did not go in there with the intention of um, help me quit drinking. It was help me moderate my drinking. I wanted to drink like all my friends were and be able to stop after one. And this was after I finally turned 21. So I turned 21 in September of my junior year, realized that becoming legal made no difference in my drinking habits. And so then November, I started going to counseling and I fell into kind of this new cycle where whenever I'd see my counselor, he would motivate me to be sober or quit drinking for like a week or two weeks. And then I would do that. And then I'd convince myself that I was okay to start drinking again or to try it again. I drink again. Nothing changed because two weeks is really not that long at all in terms of sobriety. And so I would drink and then blackout, fall into the shame cycle, go to my counselor, admit what I had done. And then he would sort of motivate me again to keep doing it. I'd go like a week, two weeks, three weeks. And so it was a new cycle that I fell into. And that just kind of kept making me feel, I struggled with feeling alone then as well. 
And so he suggested I join this drop-in group for students with substance abuse problems. So I was like, great, maybe I can meet someone else who is going through something similar. And so the and it was like an eight-week program. And I mentioned this in my video, but the entire eight weeks that I went, I was the only student who showed up. It was me and two other therapists. And they were supposed to be like mediating or moderating the group, but there was no one to moderate because I was the only one there. So basically I would have my counseling appointment with my counselor. And then I'd go to the drop-in group and just basically say the same exact thing that I would tell my counselor to these two women. And so it was like just two appointments in one. And I wasn't getting that support that I wanted from people my age. And so I remember that what finally made me decide that I needed to, I think, quit was Christmas break. It was when my drinking was probably at its worst. And I had gone like a month without drinking. And so I convinced myself over Christmas Eve that I was going to drink because I would, me and my family always went to this party with my family friends, a Christmas Eve party. And so I drank there and don't remember much of that. Woke up and was so ashamed that I had gone so long without drinking and then just didn't, nothing changed again. So I started drinking like gin that I found in the mornings. And then my family, I got so drunk, I couldn't say bye to my family that was leaving, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles. And so that's when my family became involved and I didn't want to worry them. They were obviously very worried. They'd kind of seen, you know, what I was going through throughout high school when I would come home drunk or something, but I don't think they ever knew the extent of it until that day and Christmas day or the day after Christmas. And so I remember I saw this quote and it said, real growth starts when you're tired of your own shit. And I was like, wow, that really stuck with me because I was so tired of feeling like shit and being in, stuck in this cycle. And so it was February of this year, February of 2020, that I went into my counselor and I was finally like, I think I need to be sober. And he was kind of like, yes, like, because I don't, <laughs> he was like, I don't think therapists can really tell you what to do. You know, they have to kind of let you come to the conclusions yourself. So when I said that, I just saw like relief kind of wash over his face. But even in that time, I still was so ashamed that I didn't want to tell anyone I was going sober. So that's when I started writing. And so I would write just like type in my computer of like feelings and thoughts I was having. And I never really expected anyone to read them. And I think that's what made those first blog posts so raw and real was that I was just writing them like I was writing to myself. I wasn't writing them for an audience. And I think that's kind of what I struggle with now when I'm writing posts is I'm like, oh, people are actually reading this now. And so I try and frame it in a way that's going to please everyone when really I should just be doing what I was doing all along in the first place, which was just writing my feelings. But that, yeah, so that's how I kind of started that blog. I didn't post about that blog yet. And then I stayed sober for about a month after I told my therapist that I was going sober. And, but that month I was just so angry. I would, I would stay in when my friends would go out to bars and they would ask me why. And I wasn't ready to tell them it's because I'm sober. So I would just blame it on like, I'm on antibiotics. I feel sick. I don't really want to. I have homework, whatever. And I would just be so angry. I remember walking by these kids or like not kids, they were grown men, boys in college <laughs> playing. Um, they were playing beard eye. Do you guys play that at your school? Yeah. 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 And, and so I remember just looking at them and just like resenting them. I thought that they were like playing it in front of me just to make me mad mm -hmm. because I couldn't drink. And it was just like little things like that. And so I think that anger was what led me to drink the next time. And so I drank at like my friend's 
she went, we went to a brewery for her birthday and I tried drinking and just realized really nothing had changed, blacked out that day. Like the second I started drinking, I started getting the thoughts of like, where where can I get more alcohol? How can I sneak more? Because I had told my boyfriend I was only going to have two beers. And so that kind of led me into my final bender, which was like kind of two weeks long of just me kind of giving up the whole sober thing. I skipped counseling. I didn't, I didn't think that the sober life was going to work. And then I remember the last time I drank, I showed up to my online final because this was Corona was like just happening. Um, I showed up to my online final drunk and then my boyfriend picked me up and he was like, you're drunk. Like, and he had kind of seen the two weeks of me just lying to him and lying about where I was going, saying I was going to go study when I was actually going to drink at a friend's house. And I was just hiding from it from him for so long. And so he gave me an ultimatum, which was kind of the nail in the coffin for me to quit drinking because he was like, if you can't commit to being sober again, if you can't commit to um, trying this again, then I don't think I can be there to support you anymore because I mean, that was very valid. He'd been doing that for years coming up on seven months, but still, even when I was, had chosen to be sober, then I was still so ashamed to tell my family and friends. So for the first two months that I was sober, I didn't tell anyone. I would just come up with excuses as to why I wasn't drinking. And yeah, I think the thing that made me kind of tell everyone was two of my roommates had gone home for quarantine and then they came back and they were like, let's drink tonight. And I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't know how long this quarantine is going to last. Am I going to really have to come up with excuses when it's just three of us living in this house, like as to why I'm not drinking? And so I just told them and they were like, okay, like they took it so well. And I, I don't know what I was expecting, but they took it so much better than I thought. And so that kind of just was what inspired me to just post about the blog and post about my journey to everyone. And actually one thing that I totally forgot to mention in my video, but it was like a few days before I posted on Instagram that I was sober just to all my friends and family. My roommate was like, Steph, did you see this? And she showed me this, one of my peers, some guy that was like a mutual friend had posted that he was sober for 90 days. And I was like, oh, like that's cool. Cause I hadn't heard of any other college student being sober. And so I yeah. think that was also another thing that really inspired me to post on Instagram and just like, not hide anymore and just share it with the world yeah I think I felt I felt that too oddly enough like when I first decided to stop drinking and kind of just like at first I was like you know I'm just gonna take a break and I'm just gonna we'll see how this goes but it was like my own thing and I wasn't really telling people mm -hmm. and it was kind of similar where whenever I saw friends I would just be like oh I have to drive later so I shouldn't drink and mm -hmm. um, just come up with like whatever excuses you could and for the longest time like I was training for a marathon too that I did in August and so I was just like oh like I'm just I'm not gonna drink because I'm like training for a marathon but like I mean drinking I don't think has too much of an impact on your running but um it was just like coming up with the craziest excuses and then um I remember when I did like finally make a post about it on Instagram like it wasn't really like targeted only at like you know not drinking it was like here's like all the things that I've accomplished but like one of them is actually that I'm not drinking and like you know I think it was really cool to like see that people actually like really praised you and like actually supported that because um I think I mean I will say that like I had like more people support me but there were like a small amount of people that were kind of like are you okay like you know mm -hmm. it, was there something that I did like was the, it was weird because some people were like are you are you okay like you're not drinking like yeah <laughs> yeah that's like a problem but I think I think like for us it just like stems so far back to like these habits that we've had in 
ingrained in us that we're, we really need to let go of and we really need to cut out. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it was, I think like now it's, it's definitely something that I'm a lot more comfortable with, but it was really interesting in the beginning to be like, I don't really want to tell anyone. This is just like, it's kind of like an awkward, like me thing. Yeah. And just like speaking on those habits, the one thing that it took kind of for me to truly quit, I had made the decision to quit. But the one thing that was kind of nail in the coffin, like really convinced me just to give it up for good was, I don't know if you've read This Naked Mind. No. Uh, It's by Annie Grace. And she, that book just like, she basically takes everything that society talks about with alcohol. So every reason that people drink. So like, I want to drink to be confident. I I like the taste or I need to de-stress. And those are all things that I thought that I needed to drink to do. And so she like takes them all and basically just like rewords them and refutes them and just shows you why you actually don't and how alcohol is like not helping you become more confident, not helping you de-stress. It actually like raises your stress and your anxiety the next day. And so that book, just all the beliefs that I had that I thought alcohol was doing for me, it really changed my perspective on them and really made me go from like feelings of FOMO and wishing I could drink to no longer even desiring it anymore. So that was, I think anyone who is contemplating sobriety, I think that book is a really good place to start because it does help you kind of address those habits and look back on them and be like, you know, why am I actually doing this? Yeah. Cause I know that you were mentioning in your video too, just like, you know, you used it to be more social. And like, I think all of us can relate to that. Like, especially when you're meeting new people, let me take a couple of shots, like before a date or something. Like it yeah. was, it's such a funny thing that like my friends would, and I would talk about, like, I'm going to take a couple of shots before I go on this hinge date. And it's like, uh, why? Like, yeah. and I think it's, and I think I really related to, to when you were talking about, um, you know, when, when it wasn't like, it was no longer like you wanting to go to social events to be social. And it was like, you actually just wanted to go for the drinking. And like, that was like, when you're thinking about like, you know, all those different, how many shots am I going to get this bar? How many drinks am I going to get here? And I really struggled a lot with like wanting to be like the fun, um, the fun person at the party and just be the life of the party. And so it was always, especially when I was in the UK studying, it was just like, like, oh, like, let's watch how much the American sorority girl can drink. And if it's just like, it's not actually that cool to be able yeah. to take like, you know, X amount of shots and like tally and keep track and all that stuff. Yeah, I would do that too. I would want to drink to like, I was never really comfortable being the center of attention, but I wanted to be fun and to be the life of of the party too like you said but when I would drink I would just become the opposite of that I would be the center of attention but not in a good way like in because I was blacked out and being a fool you know and so yeah I think that's just a good example of like what we think alcohol is going to do for us versus what it actually does yeah yeah no I totally agree I guess you know at this point do you still have any challenges that you um kind of still face or like struggle with and like how how do you address them yeah I think my main challenge now is like I said I'm I don't know actually if I mentioned this at all but I'm a senior in college and you know especially now it's October but back in September that was kind of when I mean before corona happened September was when everyone would start coming back to school and move back into their houses before school even started and so that was like a really big drinking time and just the beginning of the school year in general is a really big drinking time um and I know for a fact that senior year the end of it is going to be 
a really big drinking time because my boyfriend's a year older. So when he was graduating last June and a lot of my friends were older too, like I just saw how much like grad parties and like, even if it was Corona, like they still had all these parties and like graduation celebrations. And so I think I'm definitely going to struggle with that in the sense that senior year is supposed to be the time when I think people get nostalgic that they're leaving college. And so they want to make the most of it and they start drinking a lot maybe more or just with different people and they start really realizing that, oh, this is it. And so I think so far it's kind of, it's been easier with COVID and with quarantine because there's not too much I've missed out on. But I think as the world starts opening back up and as people start drinking more and start celebrating graduation, I think that's something that I'm going to have to face as a challenge in itself and figure out, you know, how am I going to celebrate with my friends, but not be, not have FOMO and not be tempted to drink. Yeah. Yeah. No, that can be hard. And I guess, I mean, maybe you can take my graduation story into (laughs) and just think about, um, I don't know, just being able to show up. I don't know if it will be virtually or in person at this point. I don't know either. It's everything that's going on is so crazy. But I think, I think for me, like that was such a heartbreaking thing. And it's so ingrained in my memory just because you spend four years working so hard and you want to celebrate it and just not being able to like show up because functionally, functionally, like I just can't function like I'm so hungover was like it was one of the worst things and kind of one of the reasons why like I really just don't believe that alcohol is like as important as I once thought it was yeah there was this one video going around my school of this guy it wasn't last year but the year before at graduation and I was just thinking like at the time I thought it was really funny because you know I was still drinking but now thinking back to that I just remembered it yeah, like you said, like four years of working hard and like everyone sees that like you, you're there, you're getting stretchered out. Like, I wonder what his parents thought. And I know the next day he probably was so embarrassed that that's like the finale to his college experience. So I totally agree with you on yeah. that. Yeah, there was actually now that you say that there was a guy because I mentioned that I I did show up to my major's graduation. But even then there was this guy um, and he was in a frat and he was like in line behind my friends and I. And he was so visibly drunk that like there were staff like from our major's department trying to like pull him away and like say like, hey, maybe not. And so at first we were like, oh, he's just not going to be able um, allowed to like sit in the graduation and like he's too drunk. Like mid graduation, like someone's speaking, he runs in to try and like sit, and then like people are running in after him to try and like get him. And like like you said, like in in the moment, it is funny, and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, like you know, typical frat guy, blah blah blah. But it's just like I've heard of so many guys that were in frats that just have like major drinking problems because I think it's one thing for like girls to like want to go to frat parties because like in my sorority you weren't allowed to have alcohol but like I know of like guys who like um that's all they did like all day every day just like go through like a 12 pack of beer and just like and that was just like a normal thing so I just can't imagine like what that's like for um guys as well yeah and just like the idea too of like toxic masculinity and feeling like like I know guys who rarely drank in high school and now I see them just posting like oh frat bro like pictures on Instagram and they're like (laughs) you can totally see how it can change a person and like a guy who wants to fit into a frat is going to drink a lot maybe even if he doesn't want to and I know I'm one of my good friends has mentioned to me that he wants to kind of cut back on drinking but he just thinks it's so hard because he wakes up in his frat house and at 9 a.m there's guys playing beer die outside and so 
I think it is one thing to be a girl and quit drinking. That comes with its own things. But also, I feel like we just can't ignore that part of it, too, and being a guy. And I would love to. I know this one guy, actually, um, who was in my boyfriend's frat, he did a guest blog post for me and was talking about how he came into college with, I don't think he had a drinking problem, but then once he came to college, it allowed him to hide his problem in plain sight and allowed him to, people knew him as like, oh, the guy who blacked out, like that was his Mm reputation and that was what was funny people thought it was funny about him yeah so he just thought that just became like the normal thing that he did yeah yeah Yeah. I I think a lot of people can relate to that too just because it's so easy to be able to mask you know I'm drinking because of like x reason like whether it's like you truly are like so dependent on alcohol but I know that like for me it was always kind of like whether it was like some breakup that I was going through or something like hard or something I was really anxious about. It was just like, okay, then let's just drink and let's just drink. And I know you mentioned in your video too, that um, it got to, it gets to a point where like you run out of people to like get to drink with you. Yeah. And um, like this past February, I was like, I was like still living in London and I was like very unsure about like my situation and then like COVID hit. So I came back and, um, but just like leading up to that, I didn't really tell anyone, but I was just like, I would buy like a little bottle of gin with my groceries and just like kind of have that at home with myself um like with my dinner and mm-hmm. that was kind of like how I got myself to sleep because otherwise I'm just so anxious and I can't stop thinking and it's just like what's you know what is the point of like drinking because it's not actually going to fix your problem it's not actually going to make you feel better it makes you feel 10 times worse the next mm-hmm. day and like but it is just like this never-ending cycle of just like okay well then I'm just going to go to this happy hour and there's this thing this weekend and I'm just going to keep going and, you know, I think I think it is kind of like a constant it is a constant battle to kind of figure out how you're gonna navigate yourself in a world as like a young you know early 20s girl or guy if you're listening um you know trying to figure out like why is it that everyone around me wants to drink so much and like why like is it weird that I don't want to drink I think I was talking to a friend about that the other day she was saying that how during Lent she didn't drink and now like she went back to drinking and she said like how easy it was to fall back into old drinking habits but it really made her think like oh like do I actually really have like a problem like it doesn't really feel like I can like you know because I took this long break and then I went back and it was just like nothing ever happened and it was just like back to like drinks on drinks on drinks and but I think it does have a lot to do with like the environment that you're in yeah I remember that's definitely something that kept me from quitting for so long was I was like oh I'll quit after this sorority formal or oh it's my friend's birthday in like a week I'll quit after that and I realized that there's always going to be something else to drink at and even when you graduate I know that it would have been probably easy for me to just say that I would deal with it after college but drinking doesn't stop when you quit or like when you graduate from college you know there's still like I still have friends who just graduated and they I see them all over Instagram going to bars and things on the weekends and so if I have like advice if I have any advice for someone who is going through this would be that there's never going to be that right time when drinking is just going to stop and be on pause and that's going to be like the perfect time for you to stop because that's never going to happen there's always going to be another thing to drink at so if you just realize that the right time is now 
I think it's going to make it a lot easier, not easier. It's definitely going to be hard. But I think if you realize that the right time is now, there's never going to be a right time to stop drinking because there's always going to be something new that comes up that you can drink at. So just think that the right time is now because there's no better time to focus on your mental health and just improving yourself than right now. And if you quit right now, think about where you could be in a month or a year. Whereas if you don't and you look back and you're like, wow, if only I had quit a year ago or a month ago, you know? So I think it's hard because when you decide to quit right now, that's something that's so hard in the moment. And the only way you're going to see progress and see the difference in you is in the future. So doing anything where the only benefit is the future is hard, you know, if you're doing it immediately. But I think you just have to keep in mind how great your life will be if you stop. I don't know. So I'm just thinking, speaking from experience and thinking about all the things that I would never have imagined have happened to me as a result of quitting drinking. I've become so much more confident than I ever thought possible. I've always been someone who really cared about what others thought of me. And so it kept me from doing a lot of things. Like for example, my YouTube channel, I've been watching YouTube since I was 14, like way more than Netflix, way more than TV. And so I've always wanted to start one. And I would talk to myself throughout my day, like acting like I was acting like I had a channel. That's just something I've been doing for years. And I would have never had the confidence to do that if I didn't quit drinking. And just, I feel like I'm finally at the place and doing what I've been put on this earth to do in a way that's kind of deep, but I feel like everything happens for a reason. And I needed to go through that alcohol addiction so that I could come out on the other side. And I think my purpose really is to help people and to start the blog, start the Instagram account, start the YouTube channel. And I feel like it's something I've never had more fun in life like than right now, no matter how many times I was drinking, no matter how many events that I thought I was having so much fun at while drunk, like this is actually the most fun that I've ever had because I'm fully able to feel the fun rather than just numbing it with alcohol, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think like I I definitely feel like I've achieved so much in the past six months than I have in like the past six years. Like mm. it's, it's insane. And it's just like kind of that constant feeling of feeling so productive and feeling like you keep leveling up in life because you're not, you know, knocking yourself back down mm. by just numbing everything out. And so I think that was just a really beautiful way to put it in a really encouraging way for anyone who's like curious about quitting or even just like taking a break for, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months. It's, you know, just try it and just like see how much you feel better and just see how much like, you know, life improves and the things improve around you, your friendships, your relationships, like all of that. And I know in your blog, and I know that you'll be making like future videos. So I will have all of Steph's stuff or in terms of links to her Instagram and her blog and her YouTube channel in the show notes below. Yeah. If you have like any last thought for the episode before we close up. Um, yeah, I would just say like in terms of that, like building upon each other and building upon the success and like knowing what I know now and experiencing all the progress and the productivity that I've made. And also now that I found the sobriety, like Instagram community, it's, I was listening to a podcast with, it's called the dry life. I don't know if you've listened to that one, yeah. but I was listening to Tori, the retired party girls episode and she said like now that I have this Instagram community and now that I've learned all this stuff about alcohol that I never knew before it's impossible to unlearn that like it's impossible Mm -hmm. to think about drinking the way that you used to like I feel like if I ever went back to drinking I'd still I would think about all this stuff I've learned and seen like the damage that it's done to people and like there's a reason why so many people have to go sober like alcohol is not it's a very dangerous drug that's what it is you know so I think yes there may be a chance 
that I drink again. And I, I hope I don't, but you know, life happens. And if I do, I think it will be easier for me to get back into the swing of sobriety and not drinking because of all of the stuff I've learned and because of what I know now. I totally agree. I feel that. I think, I think it's hard to say that you're just going to like stop drinking for life. I know that for some people, that's just like a very easy and like much needed decision for them. But I think for me, people keep asking me like, you know, when are you going to start drinking again? And I'm just kind of like, I, I really don't know because, because of like what you're learning, it's just like, it's not something that I'm like, oh man, like I just learned that, you know, if you drink alcohol X amount of times per week, you increase your chances of cancer by 50%. Let me go and get a beer. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's just, it's, it's a by person thing and it's kind of just dependent on your situation, but I just wanted to thank you so much for being so open and so vulnerable on the episode today and uh, just being able to hear your story more in depth and just for sharing your story in that video as well. I know that you've probably touched so, so many people. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's definitely, I never thought that I'd be putting this much personal information out there because I always, like I said, cared about what other people thought of me, never wanted to put any anything potentially bad out there but I know thank you for saying that and I know that yeah just seeing the impact that it's had already on a lot of people who've reached out to me is what's making it worth it and making me keep going and keep putting out this stuff onto Instagram and my blog and everything All right, everyone, that's going to wrap up another episode of the Resiliency and Running podcast. I really do hope you enjoyed it. This was such a special episode for me, and I will have everything for Steph linked below in the show notes in terms of her Instagram and blog. And if you have any other questions or comments, feel free to shoot me a DM on Instagram or Twitter. I'm just at Liz Newcomer. And then we have an Instagram for the podcast. It's called at Resiliency and Running. But other than that, I hope to see you in the next episode. Bye.